0: been an exciting week around here um you probably unless you've seen the pictures you probably have no idea just what's gone on behind the scenes through here just to get this all up and running this morning last week right after service a large bunch of you stayed behind we took down all the old equipment Uh, Then, as the equipment went in this week, we were receiving some training on Tuesday night, and then Thursday night we did our first big sound check in here, and so many of you were involved. So I just want to say thank you for all that extra hard work that you put in this week. We live in a time when people believe and and sort of seem to be in love with conspiracy theories. Um, After a year and a half or so of uh, COVID isolation, I think we've become desperate to fill that emptiness, that loneliness that we felt. That, and, and, you know, any explanation of what's been happening to us seems to do sometimes, as long as it makes just some kind of sense. Uh, we want to grab onto something. And, and, you know, we have embraced things at times that we know in our rational minds just don't make any sense. But because there are so many people following some of these things, we kind of get on board that wagon and we go along for the ride. And, uh, and it's not always very healthy. Um, it's interesting that a lot of these uh, theories seem to be designed specifically to make us fearful, to make us more anxious, and to make us doubt the truth. And that seems to be built right in. And, and I don't know if you've realized it or not, but some of these groups that have been spreading some of these strange things like QAnon and others, they are, they're having one on, or on you, like they're having a joke on you. Because they, they are not serious about these things, they don't believe these things, but they want you to believe them. They're going to see as far, how far will you go? Will you go along on this journey with them? And they're having a good laugh at our expense. There are a lot of bizarre theories that have been hung on the scriptures, and especially on the book of Revelation. You know, there's nothing like the end times to scare a bunch of Christians, right? And so the idea, uh, well, ideas like the mark of the beast being inside the COVID vaccine, uh, that is just plain wrong. It has nothing whatsoever to do with what the scriptures teach, and we're going to see that when we get out to uh, Revelation 13 and see what that's all about. We'll spend some time um, on that a little later in the year, but because we don't seem to understand this book that is often so poorly manipulated, um, we want to, to spend some time in it. We want to learn it, to learn what it says You know, often people are using this book in ways that God never intended and things that are harmful. Uh, Sadly, in troubled times, it seems that we're willing to let the world lead us by the nose instead of following the word of God and instead of following Jesus and praying and listening for his directions. So in this study of the book of Revelation, we want to give you some tools for your toolbox so that when you're reading this book, you, you can understand most of what's going on. You can get a better handle on it. And apply it to your lives and live it out. Uh, We're doing the first three chapters. The specific message to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Um, In the late fall we're going to pick up on our next part of this series. And we'll enter the throne room of God himself. We'll climb the mountain of the, the battles. And things that are happening in that middle part of the book. And then we'll come back after the first of the year. And we'll spend a significant time on the promises of the new heaven and the new earth some amazing things that are there i just keep saying it don't be afraid of this book just remember going in that in this book jesus rules satan is ultimately defeated and removed god's kingdom comes to earth and we get to live forever with jesus in the new heaven and the new earth in other words if we stay faithful and follow jesus we win we've read the end of the book. We know how it turns out, right? So, as the book opens, John the Apostle is exiled on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. He was sent there because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. He wouldn't stop preaching Jesus. And so, they put him on this island just off the coast. And he wasn't allowed to go anywhere else. Well, it's a time of great persecution. And uh, so, Jesus appears to John in a visionary dream, and tells him to write a letter to the seven major churches of Asia Minor. It's a letter of encouragement. It's meant to help them get through this terrible persecution that they've been going through. It's to help them endure, to encourage them. And it's a very long letter. We call that the book of Revelation. So today, we are going to be focusing on the church at Philadelphia. I want to encourage you to open your Bible. If you're not got a Bible with you, I encourage you to carry your Bible to church on Sunday mornings. We're not always going to get all the text up on the screen. And uh, turn to the book of Revelation chapter three. Let's pray before we go there. Father God, thank you for your revelation. Reveal yourself in your word and in our hearts. Strip away Satan's lies and let us see what you have written here. Show us where to focus And teach us how to apply what we learn we pray in jesus holy name amen we're looking at revelation chapter 3 starting at verse 7. to the angel of the church in philadelphia write these are the words of him who is holy and true and holds the key of david what he opens no one can shut what he shuts no one can open I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, and no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we've uh, been seeing a pattern as we've been going through these uh, lessons on the churches. We've been seeing a pattern... Uh, of commendation and correction. Jesus commends these churches for the good things they're doing or for the things that they've done. And then when he sees a thing that doesn't really line up with what the church is supposed to be or with the mission of the church or where their hearts should be, then Jesus corrects that. And, And usually with a stern warning that right now you need to get back on track because the time might be running out. Now, in this case, Jesus has no correction for them. They're one of only two churches in this list that doesn't have any rebuke of any kind. It's only encouragement. Now, it appears that they've already been through a time of persecution, and they were being persecuted also by the Jews of the local synagogue, uh, like a few of the other churches that we were looking at. So so Jesus just speaks words of encouragement to them. So try to receive this this morning as a, a time of encouragement Listen to what's said to them. Draw from them the principles that are there, the lessons that are there, and apply those things to our lives as we're going through. We need to remember that John is writing this down, but it's Jesus who's speaking. And he makes that very clear as we go along. It says, oops, somebody already got my slide. There it is. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Now, as I said, it seems like a local synagogue had uh, been making some claims and harassing them. We believe from the context of the other letters that, that they were saying things like Jesus was the false Messiah. And they were saying that these people were not the true followers of God. And Jesus says here, I am the one who is holy and true. I'm the real deal. I am the Messiah. And it says he holds the key of David. Now remember at the beginning of this, we said that uh, this is a very Old Testament book. Well, this refers back to a, a, an event in the history of the people of Israel. you find it in Isaiah chapter 22. And, and it's a place where God judges uh, the city of Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah. And when God delivered them, what did they do? Instead of repenting of their sin, the, th- the sin that brought uh, the attacks and things that were happening to the city, instead of doing that, it says they just partied. They just got loose. And uh, when the opposing armies came to attack, they didn't even go out to fight. They said, well, God's looking after that, so we don't have to do anything. And so they just let it happen. And, and, and the city fell into a terrible estate. The wall got great holes knocked into it. And uh, It it, it just, they were under siege for quite a long time, and things were really bad. In fact, things got so bad that they had to tear down some of the houses in the old quarter and use the stones to reinforce the walls because the walls were literally falling down. The people themselves were supposed to be the stewards of God's light in the world. That's why God had a people. They were his chosen people to reveal himself, And they were supposed to be that light, that God's light in the world. But they weren't that. In fact, during this period of time, they lowered their standards to the point where they didn't behave at all like the people of God. They were unrecognizable. Because of their sin, God says he's going to take away their authority, going to take away their stewardship. And so the Jews, who were the stewards of relationship to God, That light was taken away in a way that they were unrecognizable. And the city of God, the the city of Jerusalem, which symbolizes the city of God in heaven, it was taken away from them as well. And so we know that during the time of Hezekiah, that that all came to pass and captivity began. There's a, a fellow by the name of Shebna. Shebna was a scribe, and he was second only to the king. He was the steward. He was the keeper of the key of Jerusalem. Only he had the authority to open the gates or to shut the gates, to let somebody in or to let somebody out. But in Isaiah 22, God says to him, I will depose you. I will, you will be ousted from your position. In that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be the father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah, and I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open." So that's exactly, that prophecy it came to be during the time of Hezekiah's reign, and uh, that key, that authority to act on, the, on behalf of the king was taken away from Shebna, and it was passed on to somebody else, somebody who was more worthy to carry the key. So why is that important? Well, it's important because the passage has messianic overtones. In other words, it refers in the future to Jesus and the coming Jesus. We know that that the kingdom was laid on the shoulders of Jesus, right? That this authority, this responsibility, ultimately the full stewardship of the light of God and of the heavenly Jerusalem was going to be placed on Jesus. On earth, Shebna had power to open and shut the gates of Jerusalem. But what does the key that Jesus holds open? What does it open? See, at the end of the passage, we're hearing for the first time about the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. This is the first time in Revelation we're hearing about this. We're going to hear a a whole lot more about this new Jerusalem. The earthly Jerusalem, Shebna, he he had the control. He had the key to the city. But what does Jesus' key open? Well, in its context, it teaches us that Jesus has the key to open the gate to the new Jerusalem, to the new city of God, to heaven itself, to this place that God has and is also creating. It opens the entrance to God's city in heaven. Jesus has the authority. And in verse 8 it says, Hey, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. You know, only Jesus can open that door of heaven, right? Your good deeds can't do it. All the good deeds in the world can't do it. All the wishful thinking and the positive thinking in the world can't open the gate of heaven for you. All the behaving good can't do it. None of those things can open the gate of heaven for you. But for those who have been faithful to Christ, for those who have known Christ in their heart and received him as Lord and Savior, for those who have followed him very closely, that door has been opened, and nobody can shut that. Not their enemies, not their persecutors. They can take their life, but they can't take their eternal life. Only Jesus has that key. Jesus knows who they are. He knows who you and I are. He knows our character. He knows our faithfulness. You know, and he realizes when we're starting to lose strength, he says to them, you know, I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. See, that's why he's opened the door to them, because of their faith, because of their faithfulness. They've remained disciples. They've kept to the teachings of the Bible, to the word of God. And they haven't denied Jesus' name, even under some really terrible circumstances. They haven't compromised. You know, Philadelphia was one of those cities that we've talked about where there were temples for the emperor's worship. And on an annual basis, they were required to go into that temple and take a pinch of incense and burn it on the altar and say the word, Caesar is Lord. Christians wouldn't do that. Most of them wouldn't do that. Some did betray that, but most of them would not do that. And some of them suffered great consequences, including being put to death for not doing it. And this group obviously hadn't done that. And, and the church has remained faithful to Jesus, even with this threat of death. They believe that also the local synagogue was, was providing sanctions against the people that they should have been allied with. And so there was some way in which they were interfering in the market and, and preventing them from buying and selling. And uh, it, it's interesting, this was a, a very, very large congregation in this town. N.T. Wright estimates that there would have been a Jewish community here of several thousand people who were a part of it. But it doesn't matter how many of you there are, and it doesn't matter if you're born into the right family. Israel doesn't gain you salvation. Jesus says, I will make those who are a synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, they are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. See, Jesus rejects any claim to be Jews who are not following Jesus himself. He says, these people, you know, and we know that they were accusing, they were saying that Jesus was a false prophet, and he says these people are liars because they don't acknowledge Jesus as Messiah, and they reject the Christians who are following God. But with Jesus, the rules are exactly reversed from where they were in the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, it says that, that the peoples of the earth, the nations of the earth, will come and they will bow down before Israel. And God takes that and he turns it around the other way. God's chosen people don't have the right to bear God's name in the same way that they were called because they weren't following the path that God laid out for them to follow. The Christians, on the other hand, they were grafted into Israel. and They are now called the true followers of God because they're following Jesus, the Messiah. The ones who denied the Messiah, they're going to be confronted and they're going to be forced to admit that the Christians were really following the true Messiah. And the Christians will be vindicated. So here's where it gets really interesting. You know, here's where we get into end times theology. You know, what people, at least the part that people, we we skip a lot of stuff. We just get to the stuff that intrigues us. And, uh, And here's one of those places. It says, let's get. I am missing a slide. Yep. Well, if you want to look at verse 10 in your Bible, this will help. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole earth, the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Let me hit you with that again. Since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Now, as we continue in Revelation, uh, we know that there's going to be some great event that's going to happen. It's going to take place before Jesus' rule on earth, and we usually call that event the Great Tribulation. We'll learn about that in Revelation 13 as well. But the the question has always been about these people. Will Jesus protect these faithful Christians from this terrible time by removing them from the situation or by protecting them in the situation? Remember that Jesus prayed for his followers in John 17, 15. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, there's a large, a significant number of Christians who believe in something that we call the pre-tribulation rapture. That is, that they will be caught up to meet with Jesus in the air, that when that rapture event happens, it will happen, they believe, before the great tribulation takes place. And therefore, when the bad stuff happens, they ain't going to be there. They're going to be gone. Very popular theory. Um, I believe in a rapture event. I'm just not convinced that the scripture tells us when it's going to happen, <laughs> what its placement is, um, that being out of here by the great tribulation is guaranteed. I'm not sure that I, I follow that in scripture that way. And I'm trying to be very careful about you know, sticking to what the scripture says about that. Um, I don't think the scriptures show clearly where we're going to be during that tribulation period. You know, I hope and I pray for an early rapture event. That's really where my heart is. I don't want to be there when things get bad. I don't think any of you want to be there when things get bad, but I'm not sure that I can guarantee you from scripture that it's all going to happen in the order that we hope it will. But whatever the scenario is going to be, these Christians will be protected from it. That's the promise. So no matter what happens, no matter where we are, whether Jesus takes us out at that point where this rapture event happens, or whether we're there and he guards us and protects us in the situation, whichever happens, we're going to be protected. That's the promise that he gives to these people. Well, what else does Jesus promise the Philadelphians? He promises the Philadelphians, I am coming soon, hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have any of you ever been through an earthquake? Have you been through an earthquake? Just take up your hand just to see. So there there are a number of you who have been through an earthquake, and you know what that feels like. I went through a couple in California that I slept through. (laughs) <laughs> we were at a convention one time when we woke up and there were people out in the courtyard all standing around and you know had evacuated the building, and we slept right through it. <laughs> Didn't even feel it. <laughs> and then the, there was another one. I was out there in California, and I slept through that one too. Missed it entirely. But maybe you remember the one that we had here in 2011. Do you remember that earthquake that damaged the Washington Mon- Monument? And a lot of you felt that. I know that um, it happened on August 23rd at 1:51 in the afternoon. I was sitting at my desk in the basement of our house in New Cumberland before we moved here, and, and there was this sudden, there was a little vibration, and then the next thing you know, it felt like the, the, the earth rolled under my feet. It was this really weird kind of small roller coastery effect, and, it was, and then the lamps were swinging in the office above my desk, and that was about the extent of it. And then I got a call from Bonnie not too long after that they had evacuated the children from the school and taken them out because they weren't sure where this was going and what was happening. I've read that people who were in the Washington Monument itself, they were thrown back and forth in the room because there was so much movement of the monument at that time. Pieces of the monument broke off and fell, and some people were injured below because of that. And that place was closed for a long time while they did a lot of repairs Well, that was just a small earthquake compared to the one that happened to this city in A.D. 17. In A.D. 17, there was an earthquake that was so big, it leveled the city of Philadelphia. In fact, it leveled 12 cities in Asia Minor all at the same time, took them all down. Now, imagine being in this city. This, This city had beautiful, beautiful buildings. It had these great pillars at the temples, these huge pillars. Imagine trying to get out of town. You know, and there are these things they're cracking and dropping, and the pillars are falling, and the buildings are dropping. Imagine trying to get out of that town when you're experiencing that. The entire city had to be rebuilt on a grant that the emperor gave them. You know, this group of people had been through a lot. They knew their history, they knew what they had been through. And the older ones in the congregation, they would have remembered the event. They would have gone through that event. And they would have remembered. But Jesus, knowing this historical event, knowing this thing that the following of the pillars and all the things that famously happened to this town, he says to them, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And never again will they leave it. You know, if you go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9, it talks about Peter and James and John, calls them the pillars of the church. They're the ones who hold the church up, who support the, the church. We're not talking about a church of marble. We're not talking about a temple of marble. We're talking about a place that is made of human beings, flesh and blood, and Jesus is the foundation of the temple of God. And it says that believers will be marked with the triple name of God and the new name of God, the new name of Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will bear that name. Jesus holds the key to the new Jerusalem and the temple of God in heaven. On our own, we don't have the strength to open that door. We can't open it. But if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that door stands open in front of you, ready to receive you. It says, Jesus, open that door, and nobody but Jesus himself can close that. Nobody can keep you from passing through it. There's an open door in front of you, and the question is, will you go through it? Will you go through it jesus is keeping it open for you jesus is calling you to come through do you believe in him do you believe that jesus died on a cross for your sin that he was raised on the third day take that step of faith that one more step of faith receive jesus as lord and savior a lot of you have done that already Receive Him again. Open your heart again. Make sure that relationship is fresh. You know, I I tell people that, you know, communion is a great time to refresh your relationship with God. You know, it's a day when we focus on the sacrifice of Christ. But, you know, really any day is the time to renew your relationship with Jesus. In fact, we should be keeping it fresh all the time as we approach him in prayer on a daily basis. Receive Jesus and step through that door that he's opened. You know, many of the things that are described in the book of Revelation are symbolic and therefore they're difficult to interpret in terms of what we ourselves might experience. You know, some of that's a little murky, right? But there is a time of trial coming. It's very clear. One thing's for sure If we follow Jesus, if we remain faithful, no matter what happens, we will join Jesus as citizens of that city where heaven and earth will meet forever. No earthquakes there, no tears there, no dying there, no death there. And I'm looking forward to that new body, (laughs) that glorified body. It's the promise. It's what's held in front of us. It's what was held in front of these people. That same promise is given to us, and we find it repeated all the way through Scripture. So as we go into prayer, this is a good time just to resubmit your life. Just open your heart. Just say, Jesus, you know, I don't know where I'm at today. Uh, Maybe you've been going through a struggle. Maybe you've been having some doubts. Maybe you've been, you know, in a bad place. And just say, Jesus, today I give you myself again all over you know my whole self every bit of me I'm not holding anything back please fill me with your spirit please empower me to follow you let's pray Heavenly Father we submit our lives to you to your son Jesus the son of God who is the steward of the key to heaven we embrace you once again with our entire lives and we hold nothing back Lord, sometimes we're weak and tired. We, we just have a struggle continuing on. And so we pray that you will give us the strength to endure in the way that this church of Philadelphia endured, even through persecution. Lord, no matter what faces us, let us be faithful. We put ourselves in your hands to be protected or kept from the infliction of the great tribulation. And Lord, we look to the time when one day we will be pillars in your temple, bearing your name, King and Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.